For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Hey everybody, welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Um, we are, to be honest with you, we are not excited about this podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, what we wanted to do in this podcast is uh, you know, we, we don't claim to know everything. We always, I say that too often, but, um, <laughs> uh, but listen, we just want to, we just want to keep people informed because I, I actually would imagine that, uh, a lot of people aren't aware of the, the things going on in the Southern Baptist convention right now. Um, you know, pastors and, and people who read the news all the time. Yeah. It's, it's all over the place. I mean, it's on CNN. It's on, it's on, it's in every major newspaper, pretty much everywhere. Um, but you know, some people are, uh, some people just don't follow those kinds of things. So we want to make sure it's out there. We want to make sure people are informed. Um, and uh, we, we want to um, just kind of share a few of our thoughts and, and hopefully give some words of encouragement. Um, so let me, let me go ahead and start us off. Um, you know, and also too, uh, if you're listening to this, listen, uh, we have a lot more content. You know, um, I'm Jonathan Jenkins. This is Christian Walton. Uh, we both have bachelor's degrees in Christian studies. We're both uh, fairly well studied in apologetics and, and theology and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, we don't claim to know everything, but we do know, uh, you know, enough to get some conversation started. Uh, it's kind of how I describe myself, an amateur theologian, amateur apologist, you know. Uh, <clears throat> so I know enough to share the gospel. I know enough to defend the gospel a bit, uh, but maybe not enough to debate the world leading, you know, scientists in the world. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but, uh, the reason Grace Bond Ministries exists is so that we can have and open up conversations for, uh, difficult topics and, and, uh, not only that, but just to be, uh, just to be a source of encouragement, a source of, uh, of, of knowledge for different things going on. Um, so listen, if you're listening to this and, uh, you know, if, if you like the methodology we go through to, to bring this all about and and how we talk about it. Listen, check out some of our other stuff. Uh, we'd really appreciate it and help us to uh, continue this podcast um, by liking and sharing and subscribing and uh, telling people about it. So, uh, but anyways, that's not the reason we're here today. We're here today to talk about the Southern Baptist Convention uh, and specifically the guidepost report um, that was given not too long ago. <clears throat> um, I think we're at maybe two weeks now or a week. Uh, I think so, but um Basically, we're at a little, little over a week, and um, Guidepost Solutions has, uh, long story short, Guidepost Solutions has, has conducted an investigation, a very, very thorough investigation, extremely thorough investigation. It was so thorough, indeed, that, uh, that their, their report is 288 pages. Um, so <laughs> uh, Christian and I have not read the whole thing. We've read bits and pieces of it. And, um, and I've got the solutions. That's, that's the biggest thing. We're going to come back to that here at the end. But I'm going to read off the solutions that were recommended uh, by Guidepost Solutions. Um, and uh, uh, we're gonna, so we're going to take a look at those here at the end. But uh, here's the gist of what happened is that there, uh, that there was this report. And in this report, what they were seeking after were um, investigating all the sexual abuse allegations um, since uh, for, for basically the last 20 years. And um, uh, little did we know, and little did anybody know except the one guy that did it, but there was one guy, he was, 
he basically had a secret file. I mean, uh, he basically had the secret file of, of names and claims that, uh, of sexual abuse. And it named people, and uh, I heard that I heard today on the, the SBC this week that there was over over 700 names. I think it was 770 names mentioned um, just in that file. And then a few more people came forward during this investigation. It sounds like, um, and and then there was some uh, a few major players um, that uh, they uh, <coughs> they 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 uh, came forward too, and then or not they didn't come forward, but a lot of some of the major ones, especially the Johnny Hunt case. Um, became really popular, and as a matter of fact, I mean, uh, the whole report, the Johnny Hunt report, is, is the most troubling for me. Uh, we'll get back to that here in just a second. So that's kind of the gist. Is there anything I'm missing there, Christian, um, or anything you can think to add? Uh, Not too much. I mean, you've got the solutions. Um, it said it was started pretty much 2000, then on, and it basically said that one guy had been hiding these files in the report there's been shown emails from the past 20 years of the victims of these cases emailing them and then him kind of filing it away and writing it off almost in some sorts yeah and uh, the holy post podcast which is um the the director and some of the character voices for veggie tales uh, that guy, he's actually a very, very solid theologian. Uh, but anyways, he was talking about this. And, and, and um, for, to my knowledge, he's not a uh, he's not a he's not a Southern Baptist. But <laughs> um, but to my knowledge, he's not a Southern Baptist. And he was talking about, um, you know, basically Southern Baptists, their, their go to was, well, you know, our churches are autonomous and there's really nothing, nothing that we can do. Uh, but then he's like, you know, him and the other people he does podcasts with are like, well, at the same time, you guys are like, well, if you guys, you know, ordain a, a, a woman as a deacon, you know, we're going to kick you out of our organization, you know. And uh, I think he's right, at least at this point, that's the most power that we have in the Southern Baptist Convention for this kind of thing, um, is that we can kick churches out of our association. But uh, as far as like controlling churches and as far as um, removing pastors, you know, by force from the convention heads, um, that doesn't seem like a possibility within our convention. But uh, I am very confident in some of these solutions. Some of these are, solutions are really solid. Um, so in this, in, this, in this report, here's, here's basically what, uh, what has happened. Um, so there were, there were specific cases with pastors, and there were specific cases with deacons, and uh, even some of the executive leaders of actual sexual abuse claims against these leaders in our SBC churches. Um, then there were also, though, this is, this is what people I think are most frustrated about, is that there were so many sexual abuse victims that were, that were sharing their concerns, that were trying to be heard, um, and that were being pushed down and pushed to the side. And in the report, it mentions, you know, what are, what are we, that, that, that basically the convention basically let molesters, you know, stay in positions of pastor and deacon all throughout our association and kind of, and not, and sometimes, you know, not even just, you know, hear the claim and say, well, you know, we respect that or anything or whatever, but they're actually almost victimizing the victims even more and saying, you shouldn't have done that. You should never speak out against that pastor and, and almost just, just destroying the, you know, the, the, these, these victims that are trying to come forward and seek help, you know, and, and, and listen, and, and a lot of the Southern Baptist people are like, oh, the entire, the entire report is misguided, blah, 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 all that stuff's fake. Listen, this stuff about Johnny Hunt even 
I mean, everybody, when you first read that, like, okay, you know, this is just some girl that didn't like Johnny Hunt, blah, 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 blah. You know, she's just angry and she's trying to take him down and all this stuff. And then when you read it and then all of a sudden Johnny Hunt, Johnny Hunt steps up and says, actually, something did happen, you know. So obviously there's some validity to this report. And uh, a lot of the executives were also hiding some of these sexual abuse cases. Um, and, and, you know, I just mentioned that a second ago, but uh, that's, that's a big deal. And we're talking about hundreds. And I, I think the number of sexual abuse allegations that are mentioned in the guidepost report are, uh, are, uh, <clears throat> are uh, I think it's about 300, uh, if, I, if I remember right. So, uh, so anyways, that's kind of the gist of the report. So anything else you want to add there, Christian, um, before we move on to Johnny Hunt? We got it. All right. So uh, moving on to Johnny Hunt. So here, here's what uh, – here, I, I kind of skimmed through it. Um, looking at what the report actually says what happened to Johnny Hunt. Um, and so uh, here's the gist of what I, I saw when I skimmed through it. It was that uh, basically um, <clears throat> Johnny Hunt uh, and Johnny Hunt and his wife and then this other pastor that Johnny was actually um, supporting and mentoring and his wife basically were headed to this condo uh, down by the beach. And um, and at some point during this visit, Johnny Hunt and uh, one way or another, somebody set up these condos where they were side by side. And Johnny Hunt and this woman were apparently talking out on the balconies and, and condos that were side by side. And then Johnny Hunt and this woman went into this woman's condo by themselves with nobody else there. And while they were in this condo, uh, the gist of it was that uh, – uh, that Johnny Hunt made some kind of sexual advance towards this woman. The woman was claiming that it was completely misguided, that she gave no sense and even said, no, we don't need to do things like that or something like that, even trying to push it away. And Johnny Hunt still persisted anyways. And eventually uh, what the report says is that Johnny Hunt uh, uh, made sexual advances of taking off her clothes and kissing her and stuff like that. And then finally he stopped, left the room, and uh, and then he – then he confided in his wife. He confided in this um, this counselor and uh, some of a very small group of leaders and maybe a few of his pastors he was close to. Um, and then uh, basically, uh, he he and this other couple and this counselor all kind of got together and kind of tried to work it out in between themselves rather than take it in front of the whole church. The problem was is that Johnny Hunt was pastor of First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, at this time. Um, so he was a church, uh, he was a pastor at a major, uh, a major, major, major church um, during this time. And so he took this sabbatical. He was technically already on the sabbatical or it happened around the same time. And um, uh, Johnny Hunt, by, by his own judgment and by the judgment of those around him, uh, basically went back to pastoring. Um, and so, and, and in the report, it kind of mentions how um, this woman and her husband, you know, they kind of felt like they were almost forced to forgive Johnny Hunt. Like it was what they had to do. Um, they couldn't really say nothing about it. And they said, Johnny Hunt even told them that, Hey, if you bring this forward, um, that you're going to, this could affect 40,000 churches, you know, across the world and, uh, almost trying to convince them, Hey, it's the best thing to do here would be to keep this quiet, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so that's where we're at now. And so, Later on, what happens is now this report comes out. And so that couple decides, hey, we need to bring this up again and make sure it's brought about. And so uh, they come, they come to the, the guidepost comes to them 
interviews them, interviews this counselor, interviews, uh, I think they said three additional witnesses. Uh, I think one of those witnesses was the counselor and then two more, it sounds like. Uh, and one of them, it sounds like, was another pastor. Um, and so they come to them. They come to Johnny Hunt. Johnny Hunt says, I don't even know this woman. This is what the report says. Is he says at first, I don't know this woman. I don't know what, what's going on. And then the second interview that he has, and then he says, oh, wait, I do know this woman. There was, I do remember some kind of trip then, you know, and, and almost like, it seems like in the report, he was almost like, almost forgot about this whole situation, you know? And so then when the report was released and everybody was going to find out, Right before that, he resigns from the North American Mission Board, uh, I think because he knew the word was going to get out. And so no, there's no, that's, that's just hearsay. That's not, I don't know that for certain, but um, nobody, he didn't really say why he was going to resign. He, he just resigned. And so uh, after the report got out, people were asking questions. People were trying to call for interviews. People were trying to figure out what actually happened. A lot of people were just taking Johnny Hunt's side and say, see, the report was all false. Johnny Hunt did nothing. And then Johnny Hunt said, I never sexually abused anybody. I vigorously deny those claims. And then uh, a week later, a few days later, Johnny Hunt posts a, he sends a letter to First Baptist Woodstock. He uh, makes a video on Facebook, shares that letter on Facebook, you know, social media, which basically says, yes, something did happen. Uh, but that he ended up in this condo with this woman against his better judgment. He was having a rough time. And, and, and he was weak spiritually. So he uh, went into that condo with that woman. His claim is that the, the, all the actions that happened were consensual and that kind of, that all of a sudden in the midst of those consensual actions is what he was saying, that in the midst of those consensual actions and he, uh, he got kind of level-headed, came out and confessed it to his wife and this small group of people. Um, and so we've got a little bit of, of contradiction in the story here. Um, so we, it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on. Um, <clears throat> so, but that, that's, that's the big story. And this is probably the, 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 the biggest, um, the biggest name pastor that actually has fallen. Um, uh, and, and he really has now, I mean, I mean, school, like, uh, the seminaries and stuff are like, oh, we're, we're done with you. You know, the same thing they do with Paige Patterson. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where we're at now. Um, so, uh, Christian, you want to give some thoughts on that or maybe fill in some gaps I may have missed? I think you pretty much got most of the gaps. Um, I mean, I, my pastor and his wife, his wife grew up at Woodstock. And so they know a lot of people, a lot of people close to them. It's like, I don't think Johnny would do that. And I mean, it's kind of one of those situations where, even if it was true, it's something that you wouldn't believe. I know I've had situations happen where I've looked at that person. I'm like, they could never do something like that. And I mean, even towards the end of uh, Johnny's letter that he put on Facebook, he had brought up the story of David and he asked for forgiveness. And, and he's saying he's not the victim. I don't know. I mean, it's almost his word against hers. And it'd be almost hard for her because he has all these people that have been behind him for years, maybe with something in the dark. But I think it, he believes that he did what he had to do with confessing it to her, her husband, his wife. And then I think he even said he talked to the elders of the church at that point and he confessed to everybody. And I mean, uh, My pastor was telling me about the report when he talked about 
the counselor that they interviewed, he said he really couldn't say anything via HIPAA laws or something like that. But he said that Johnny shouldn't have done what he done, had done, but it takes two to tango is some of the words I heard the counselor had said. Yeah, that's and, important. Yeah. And that seems to be that it was consensual, but I mean, we see reports coming out like this, and that's the bad thing. We've seen reports not just about the Southern Baptist Convention, just people in general, especially yeah. if it's somebody popular. It's almost hard to believe. You see that with NFL players all the time, and everybody's automatic reaction is so-and-so is just money hungry. Not to believe the people. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and, and at least for us Christians, this the biggest – I mean, I, apparently there's been a lot more, you know, big name pastors that have fallen um, into, and, and specifically sexual sin. I mean, there's other sins and stuff, um, but it seems like sexual sins is is where, at least what's been being brought to light lately. Yeah. And for us, you know, it kind of started with Robbie Zacharias, and it really just kind of got the ball moving and and uh, just learning some of that stuff. I mean, some of the stuff that. You know, it wasn't a matter of opinion for him. I mean, like he owned the massage parlor. Um, you know, he was he he hid those, um, you know, the abuse allegations of of when he was basically uh, uh, you know supposedly sexting uh, another woman uh, that lived in Canada and all that stuff. And all that stuff was kept quiet pretty much. Uh, there was a few articles about it, and that was pretty much it. Um, and uh, how the, the the leadership of of Zacharias Ministries didn't you know hold him accountable. Um, when, when they thought something suspicious was going on, um, you know, and, and I've seen it too. Like I, I can't think off the top of my head. I just remember a couple of instances of just claiming, I mean, and, and almost confessing out loud to people, you know, like, especially, you know, with me, I ha I've always had like an anger problem, you know, and I, I just remember confessing of, uh, of just basically being a jerk and, and stuff on Facebook before. And, uh, just some of my friends and family, they were, I mean, they were, they were like, no, you couldn't do that, you know, and it, it's, it's just weird because as pastors, we do have a lot of trust, um, you know, and, uh, and people do put us on pedestals. And even even if something like this were to happen, they still take our sides, you know, um, yeah. you know, and, and I wish, you know, I wish I could say that, that was a good thing, but it, uh, but sometimes it's a bad thing. And, and I think um, and honestly, it sounds like maybe me and you are kind of. <laughs> On two, on two different pages here, but um, I, I'm I'm pretty much I, I I'm I don't know, uh, you know it, it like you said it's hard to say we don't we just don't know. Um, it's his word against hers, and and uh, you know like he said I he's like I'm not the victim here, you know. But uh, people are treating him like a victim, and he even said, listen, if I if there's anything I need right now, it's your prayers. You know, people are like, we stand behind you. You know, we support you. Blah 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 blah. You know, but what are people saying about this woman, you know, and people just kind of push her to the side because, well, he's Johnny Hunt, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I'm not I'm not liking that a whole lot, um, especially being somebody because, you know, if 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 God called me to it, you know, I could be in the same position, uh, you know, not not the position he's in now, but like his leadership roles and stuff. I mean, um, me and you both, we had both we both had the capabilities of being in that position uh, you know, in the future and, <laughs> you know, probably won't, but you know, oh, it's that. possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and, 
uh, you know, people just, just pastors in general. I mean, I mean, I, even my dad, uh, you know, he's a pastor and, and he screwed up. And I, I mean, I've known him, you know, my whole life, I've seen him screw up and I've seen him do some great things. I've seen him do some things he probably shouldn't have done, you know, uh, uh, you know, I just, it, there's just some, there's just this level of trust out there. It's like, they'll just believe blindly. Uh, the same thing people do with Donald Trump, you know, uh, you know, I hate to bring him up in the middle of this discussion, but people think Donald Trump is like just some angel sent from God or something, you know, you just completely ignore. Yeah. Completely ignore that. He's a jerk and he's rude. He's mean. And, uh, and sometimes he just bulldozes through people. He doesn't follow protocols like he's supposed to, you know, people, I mean, the same way with that, people just have this, this weird, uh, uh, just put people on this pedestal. And I'm, I'm afraid that that's what's happening with, with Johnny Hunt right now. And, um, and even this other story, there was another story. This one's been blasted on Facebook of a pastor. And he basically got up in front of his congregation and said, listen, many years ago, um, I, I had an adulterous relationship and uh, I'm stepping down. I need, I need time for repentance. I, I should have done this a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, come to find out it was a 16-year-old girl. Um, and Christian and I were just talking about this right before we got on, but, um, in, in that state, if you're 16, you're considered legal age. Um, and, uh, so, but, but then this girl and her husband get up there and there, there's a difference in how they, they treat the victim than their pastor. Um, and it's because that, that people just, you just don't, you just don't expect your pastor to do something like that. You know, you just don't expect it. And, uh, and being somebody who, you know, I've spent a lot of times, a lot of time with many, many, many different pastors, um, you know, and pastors who are even set up, you know, I, I've known a guy and he was a youth pastor and, uh, he, he had a, a teenager call him and say, Hey, I'm in this, I'm in this town. I'm scared. I need you to come pick me up. He got there and she basically was wearing lingerie, uh, trying to trap him. You know, and uh, so, I mean, I've heard stories like that where pastors were very protective and watched over themselves and that protected them. Uh, Billy Graham, you know, he was he was probably one of the best, you know, uh, of, of making sure that he was protected on every level. I mean, he wouldn't even get into an elevator um, a, a, alone with another woman. Uh, <laughs> you know, he went to such crazy extremes to make sure this didn't happen. Uh, but we need to move on here. Let's, let's talk about some scriptures. We want to bring in some scriptures here real quick. Um, one that I want to bring in is Proverbs 1-7. Uh, this, is, this is always, Proverbs 1-7 has always been my favorite verse. And um, it says, it says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so listen, in, in, all, this, in all this stuff going on, if, if, if uh, you know, and I, I believe Johnny Hunt, I, I believe Johnny Hunt can be forgiven. And it sounds like Johnny Hunt has probably seems to already kind of work this out with God in his heart. Um, I do think there's other public steps he probably should have made um, at that time. But, uh, you know, for, for pastors, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, and it could be, I mean, I'd hate to say it, but one day, you know, Christian and I, something could happen with Christian and I. And, uh, you know, and he here's the thing. The reason I bring up this verse is because, in everything that we do, we have to fear the Lord above other people, you know, and I would, I would hope now granted, you know, I'm not in a situation like that now. Thank the Lord, you know, but if I was ever in that situation, my hope would be that, that, you know, I, I take it, you know, I say, Hey, I screwed up, you know, and, and probably if, if, you know, if, if a pastor, if you cheat on your wife 
as a pastor, it's going to be very difficult for you to pastor ever again. You know, so that that heavy burden of, of that event actually happening or something like that actually happening, we need to take that into consideration, you know. And even even if, even for Christian and I, I mean, we're youth pastors, you know, if, if, we, if we screw up, you know, um, with somebody that we're watching over, I mean, we're, we're going to be in prison, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and so we need to, though, we need to make sure that in everything we do, we fear the Lord. So if there ever is an instance you know, we need to be willing to, to say we're going to fear the Lord over people. We're going to confess this because we know this would be uh, what would what would help the kingdom the best. Um, and God can forgive you. Um, God can forgive you uh, for this. And, and he, he, he will forgive you for this, uh, for for any anything that you do. Um, but uh, but there, there's always consequences and repercussions. Um, and we must always fear God over, over people or anybody else and seek after his knowledge, his wisdom in every situation. Yeah. I guess uh, next passage to bring up, do you want to say the discipline one for last? Uh, yeah, it's up to you. All right. Uh, we got another verse in Galatians. I believe it's 6-1. Let me check my notes. Yeah. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves, so that you also won't be tempted. And so I think we have a lot of these allegations. We have one or two responses. We have the people who are just angry, done with the convention, want to get out of it, have nothing to do with it. And then we have the people who are like, all of these are fake. and I support all these different people, but um, even going through leadership in college, I had a situation where uh, I was the president of this certain organization, and I had one of the guys who was my closest friend and this other guy get in the fight, and I had to try the discipline where it was needed. My friend didn't do particularly the right thing along with this other guy. And so in those type of situations, you have to release bias. As much as it's hard to do, bias must be released. But I think we look at Galatians here and we put pastors on that pedestal, but we also have to realize they can sin and they need also to be restored. If any of them is caught in wrongdoing, pastors, any member of the congregation, we're all people in Christ, so we all are to be restored that restoration does not particularly mean that they should be pastors again because there are certain qualifications for a pastor for a reason and we are held to a higher standard and so there's many consequences that will come here and also in heaven as we're called pastors who are overseeing their flock and are going to have some are going to have responsibility for those that we shepherded when we get to heaven also. And so there's consequences of all these pastors here. They're gonna also going to have consequences in when we see that. Less crowns, less jewels. You got anything to say on that, Jonathan? Uh, uh, let's go ahead and read the um, – yeah, go ahead and read the discipline passage, and then I'll, I'll make some comments. All right, Matthew 18, starting at verse 15. 
this is right after the story of the lost sheep caring for the lost, right before the unforgiving servant, just to give you context of where we're at. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to, to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. That is the real context of that verse. <laughs> yeah, so, <clears throat> so let, let's say, for instance, that it was just, it, there was no such thing as non-Southern Baptist people. <laughs> let's say that's all it was, was Southern Baptist people. So what I would say for anybody, um, you know, if, if things are a lot different for a pastor. You know, we've kind of covered that. But for anybody, you know, if something were to happen, my job as a pastor would be to go to that person one-on-one. So like if somebody comes to me and says, so-and-so did this, you know, what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to say, okay, well, me and you and so-and-so, we need to go sit down and talk, you know, and see if we can handle the problem right then and there. Um, if the problem is handled, if, if both sides are, you know, uh, forgiving and looking past it or whatever, but if this person we call out denies it or, or doesn't bring anything forward or whatever, or, or it just seems like it was, it just didn't happen or, or they're just uh, rejecting whatever was said, then I'm going to go, okay, now I'm going to go grab two or three more people. You know, I say, okay, who else can attest to this? And we're going to find out. And so when we find out, we're going to meet with them three and then so-and-so or is he going to come back and we're going to meet with him. If he still says, no, no, I'm not, I don't know. I didn't do that. I don't believe you, blah, blah, blah. I don't care what you tell me to do. I'm not stopping, you know, then we're going to bring it in front of the whole church. Say, listen, we've come to this guy one-on-one. We've come to this guy with two or three people. Uh, we, now we're bringing it before the church. And uh, basically what we would want the church to do is to say, okay, if this person does not want to repent of their sins after we bring it in front of the whole church, um, then the person needs to be kicked out of our church. Um, and the goal is for restoration. The goal is for the repentance. And um, so if they're kicked out of the church and, and what, it, so what, it, so if we get to that point, then they say, you know what, now that now that I, it's, it's really convicting me now, you know, I, it's really convicting me. I screwed up. I need, I need repentance, you know? And so they repent and um, then they want to get back in the church. Okay. That that's the goal is repentance. Um, and so when it comes to a pastor, it's a lot more difficult because if a pastor falls, you know, if a pastor falls once, how can you trust that pastor again? You know, and like, I mean, I know plenty of people that go to church that are probably sleeping around with people all the time, <laughs> you know, and they're still going to church, but you know, they're not active members usually. Um, but now if a pastor does that, I mean, how it'd be, it would be hard for a pastor to ever regain, regain the trust that he needs um, to pastor. And so there's a possibility though, that if a pastor were to fall, if a pastor were to cheat on his wife, uh, or if a pastor were to, were to pull something, even like Johnny Hunt did, I mean, the girl and Johnny Hunt, both of their stories attest to the fact that uh, they didn't have sex. The only thing that was done was, um, you know, some unwanted kisses and then maybe, you know, removing of the clothes, which is, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it's considered sexual assault, if true. Um, if it was not consensual, it could be proven it wasn't consensual. Um, you know, so even in that case where nothing beyond that happened, 
Um, there's still a possibility it could ruin Johnny Hunt's ministry for the rest of his life. And uh, like he says, he takes full responsibility for that. Um, you know, he's not trying to put the responsibility on anybody else, you know. Uh, so even for, for Johnny Hunt, you know, is there a possibility Johnny Hunt can be restored? You know, obviously he's repentant. Uh, obviously he knows he screwed up. And can he be restored? Um, maybe not to the same, maybe not to the same capabilities he had, but I do think Johnny Hunt could be restored. Um, and honestly, for me, it just speaks volumes that, hey, he did stop in the midst of that. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to undermine, you know, what, what this, this, uh, you know, this woman has said and stuff and what she's gone through, you know, they talked about how they're, they're just angry all the time and how it, how it's really affected both of them. You know, I mean, imagine somebody you looked up to just, you know, directly does something like this to you or someone, you know, that you're close to, yeah. you know, it'll really, it'll really mess with you, especially when you see this guy is constantly being, you know, put on this pedestal, like he's just some great, awesome guy, you know, and, here you are, you now you've experienced a trauma because of him, you know. Um, <clears throat> so can people be restored? I think so. Um, is, it, is it possible? Should it be possible for a pastor to be restored, even to be a pastor? I think so. Um, uh, in some cases, probably not. You know, if, you, if you're a youth pastor and you have you, you are you and then you become a sex offender um, and you're registered as a sex offender, you're never going to be able to youth pastor again. Uh, it's just not going to happen and you'll never be able to pastor again. Um, you know, it's not going to happen. You may be forgiven by God. You may even be forgiven by the parties involved. Uh, but, but you will never be able to pastor again. Um, uh, so, and that, I, and part of that has to do with the culture we're in now. So whether you're, you know, you're forgiven or not, uh, this culture doesn't know forgiveness. This culture doesn't know Jesus Christ. Um, and so, yeah, you can be forgiven by God, but uh, your ministry will be, if, if not completely destroyed and demolished, it will at least be extremely hindered um, from here into the future. So I say all that to say, pastors, you know, we need, we need to be extra, extra, extra careful, especially today. We need to be extra careful that we protect ourselves from anything like that that could happen. You need accountability. You need people who will ask you questions. You need people who um, can, you know, even can check your phone, can look at your messages, you know. Um, whatever, you know, and just be extra careful because it could ruin the gospel of Jesus Christ um, and your influence through the gospel um, in, in your life or in the people around you. Um, so we need to be extra careful there. Definitely. And I think coming at it from that biblical perspective, I agree with you that they can be restored in some way, form or fashion, some to the pastorate. Um, I know it's been brought up by the story of David. He's still looked at, still called the man after God's own heart after he had had this adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. And so looking at that case, looking at these cases, I think restoration can happen. And I think it also has to do with the repentance of the person. Because you can clearly see that David was repentant. He had seen what he had done. It did not take him from his consequences. His first son with her did die as a result. And so there are consequences to be done, to be had for these certain things. Just because you sin, just because you've forgiven doesn't always relieve you from the consequences. And so with that, I think you, we have to be ultra protective, as you said, and just be on guard. And I think it's really a humbling factor for, pastors everywhere for people everywhere that we're not all perfect 
that anyone can fall at any moment. Yeah. Because oftentimes we think, I can't, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't ever do that. I love my wife or I just love Jesus that much. I can never do that. And we see the people who we look up to often that they did fall, that these things happen. Right. And it's so, it's so tempting, I think, as a minister, because like, you know, like I have and pretty much every male minister uh, probably has, um, you know, the rule like, hey, I'm never alone with a woman and I'm never alone with a woman in a car, never alone with a woman in a, in a building. Um, doesn't matter where it's at, what it's going on, just never alone with a woman, um, you know, and it's so tempting sometimes to say, well, you know, I trust this lady, you know, it'll be OK to be in this room by ourselves, you know, uh, it, it's tempting to let that guard down. But. Uh, you know, even something like that, we've got to be adamant because all it takes is to let your guard down once. And not only that, uh, you know, men who are pastors, you know, not only that, uh, <laughs> all it takes is somebody not to like you. And if they can, if they can get you in a room alone, they can come up with whatever, whatever lie they want to come up with and uh, destroy your life. And uh, it's unfortunate that that thing kind of, that, that kind of thing happens, but um, especially youth ministry, because these kids, you know, if they get in trouble, you know, they get scared and they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to get out of trouble, you know, so we've got to be extra careful um, and, uh, and, and um, you know, just be extra careful and, and to focus on God, fear God and, and trust God and say, God, what do you want me to do? What's your wisdom here? God will, God will give you the wisdom of how to protect yourself and what to do in a situation. And, and he'll give you wisdom and when you're in a situation, you're like, you don't need to be in this situation, you know? Um, so let me, I want to, I want to end with this and we'll give our final thoughts after this, but, uh, these are the recommend, these, this is what's big and this is what's going to be brought up at the Southern Baptist convention this year, or these recommendations given by guidepost solutions. All right. So I'm going to read these off like they're given in the, in the thing. So, uh, in the act, this is from the actual report from guidepost. Um, first one, upon completion of the SATF duties, first from an independent commission and later establish a permanent administrative entity to oversee comprehensive long-term reforms concerning sexual abuse and related misconduct within the SBC. All right. So that's basically saying, Hey, let's have, let's have a, an entire entity to oversee this kind of thing. Um, and then create and maintain an offender information system to alert the community to known offenders, make the OIS available to churches on a voluntary basis. All right. So that's, so you can look and see who has been labeled as a sexual abuse um, offender. Uh, provide a comprehensive resource toolbox, including protocols, training, education, and practical information. Create a voluntary self-certification program for churches, local associations, state conventions, and entities based on, a, on implementation of best practices to bring awareness to and enhance prevention of sexual abuse. Improve governance controls, including the use of enhanced background checks. Letters of good standing and codes of conduct to voluntarily strengthen hiring standards and improve governance. Restrict the use of non-disclosure agreements and civil settlements, which bind survivors to confidentiality in sexual abuse matters unless requested by the survivor. And so if you listen to the Mars Hill podcast, this is what, this is what Mark Driscoll did. He wanted to sign all these, have everybody sign these confidentiality and these non-disclosure agreements and, and was trying to bribe them to kind of basically keep their mouth shut and uh, even threaten them at some points. Um, and so that's, uh, we need to restrict the use of that. Um, adopt a declaration of principles setting out fundamental standards regarding how sexual abuse allegations will be handled at every level of the SBC and how those who report will be treated going forward. 
These principles may provide a model for SBC entities, state conventions, local associations, and local churches to adopt and follow and acknowledge those who have been affected by SBC clergy sexual abuse through both a sincere apology and a tangible gesture and prioritize the provision of compassionate care to survivors through providing dedicated survivor advocacy support and a survivor compensation fund. Um, that's the one I think is probably going to be the most debated um, is how to yeah. how to actually help the victims. You know, should we just you know throw money at them? Should we wait for them to sue and have a fund ready for you know if people sue us for this kind of thing? Um, so all that's important. Uh, the next one: formalize and improve the CC's processes and procedures. Adopt standards for CC determinations. Um, this is the credentials committee. Um, determinations and establish standard process timelines in order to provide timely and transparent decisions. Um, empower the CC to better communicate with survivors and churches by providing trauma and sexual abuse training for CC members and hiring a trauma-informed survivor care support specialist to provide care and open communication to submitters slash survivors. Improve the online reporting portal to be survivor care focused and, and assess the technology applications to improve CC functionality, auditability and response. And if necessary, allow the CC the ability to engage and consult with experts on an extensive inquiry for a submission. And so uh, just listening to the SBC this week and somebody who's actually on the executive um, team, uh, he was saying that this, this something like this is already pretty much in the works. So, um, and all of this stuff, all this stuff will be voted on and finalized when, when the Southern Baptist Convention comes up. Um, and, and I would imagine things are going to be really heated this year. Um, and especially being in, in California, um, <clears throat> it's going to be even worse. So because uh, then people are going to be hot and they're going to have, you know, liberals are going to show up. And I, I just I, I, I'm not uh, I would not be looking forward to uh, being at this convention. <laughs> uh, I just don't think it's going to be pretty, but um, I do think it's going to be necessary. Uh, to move forward. I think, I think these are good solutions. And, um, you know, just to get it started, because here's what we want to do is we want to protect, we want to protect people uh, from sexual abuse. We want to, we want to help people who have been sexually abused, but we also want to protect people from even being in the case of sexual abuse. So like uh, from anybody from being, you know, in temptation, you know, we need to have guidelines in our churches when we hire a staff member, you know, and this is what they're talking about you know, have guidelines to say, hey, if you cross this line, you know, not, not something, not when you cross the line and you sexually abuse someone, but, uh, you know, when you cross this line to like, like those steps towards sexual abuse, you know, like, hey, you know, if maybe something like, hey, if I catch you alone with a girl and, or a woman or whatever, if I catch you alone with this woman, um, that's it, you know, you're done, you know, uh, <clears throat> even if there isn't nothing, you know, you know, crazy going on, you know, we need to, I think we need to stop at those, those steps that happen beforehand, but um, all the specifics of that are going to be, this, this is going to be something that's going to take years. This is not going to happen after one SBC convention. This is going to take years of time to get to the point where, um, you know, we're, we're handling sexual abuse, we're, we're reporting, uh, people are able to report the sexual abuse freely and safely and then the pastors that are accused of sexual abuse and proven credibly that sexual abuse has happened or sexual abuse cover-up has happened, that the people who are involved in that, that their names are in the database where you can say, hey, I'm looking for this pastor. Let me look up this guy in the SBC database. You know, you can find out what's going on there. So it's almost like a, 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 an, even, an even better background check, you know. So 
Um, and the ultimate goal is not so we can, you know, try to get rid of all the good pastors, you know. The ultimate goal is to protect victims, protect pastors, protect churches, and most importantly, protect the gospel of Jesus Christ from being um, diminished or even demolished through the power of the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist Convention is the largest Protestant denomination in the, in the entire world. Um, we are a big name denomination. We have a lot of influence. Uh, we do a lot of mission work. We, we support a lot of missionaries. And uh, there is a lot of stuff happens through the Southern Baptist Convention, the cooperative program. And um, there's just a lot that, that uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to give up, especially if the Southern Baptist Convention is willing to take the steps um, to protect against this, uh, something like this happening in the future. And maybe we need more reports like this, you know, maybe a yearly report of any, any sexual abuse claims that have been brought up. I mean, who knows? There's all kinds of solutions out there. We just need to start um, enacting them. And it's going to be, it's going to take a few years. Yeah, for sure. We're we'll giving final thoughts now. Yeah, you go ahead. All right. Well, thank uh, Jonathan saying we it is here to protect the victims. We this is something that has I think Baptists have kind of flown under the radar. Uh, something that's been brought up plenty of times where we put one sin over the other. We bring up homosexuality past couple of years and kind of have hidden this away and I think it's going to be a painful process discipline restoration is not always an easy process but it is something that is useful and so I encourage everybody to uh, have their eyes open have their ears open for the news the convention is happening the week of June 12th so after that convention especially there will be a lot more news though there will be probably a lot more information involving these different cases and so be aware and be alert and this just teaches us to seek God even more than we have before and be on the alert and to stay humble as we yeah. walk this life and so um in the future you're you're probably going to see me and christian might get back on here or one of us might get back on here as soon as the southern baptist convention is over with in the next week or two um you know just kind of say hey here's what happens here's what people said here's what was voted on and approved um and whatnot and what the what's where the, where it's going from there uh the other thing is, is i talked to christian and and uh hopefully both of us can do it but we're not sure but uh we would love to actually read through the entire report and and you know, we keep, we keep getting these glimpses and, and these really broad summaries of the report. Um, but uh, I really want to read the report for myself, but it's 300 pages. And so uh, it, it, it may be the end of the summer or, you know, later, who knows how, before I can read the whole thing and uh, with everything else I have going on. But when I read that whole thing, I'm going to get back online and uh, quote it and, and really look at it in depthly um, uh, and really show y'all, this is what the report says. Um, and so, uh, we want to we want to close we got to close this out in prayer because this is uh, it's such a heavy topic, you know. And there there's there there are victims out there who are uh, who are victims of sexual abuse in Southern Baptist circles, and uh, you know they need our prayer and, and support and comfort. Um, and there are pastors out there who are probably getting accused of stuff they didn't do. Um, and there's pastors out there who are still hiding in sin, even though they're accused of this and and pretty much found guilty um, in some of these instances. Uh, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of affected people. And then there's churches who are just 
I mean, imagine just going to church this Sunday and your pastor get up there and say, hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a sexual sinner. You know, uh, I mean, I can imagine the, the, the heavy burden and the, just that terrible sinking feeling. Um, probably about the same we felt with, you know, Johnny Hunt and, and Robbie Zacharias and uh, just that sinking feeling of this stuff. So uh, I want to close out in prayer and then we're going we're gonna to end this podcast until next time. Dear God, we thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, we thank you so much for uh, exposing. Lord, your word says that your light exposes the darkness. So God, we thank you that your light has exposed this darkness, Lord. We pray that you will help uh, the SBC. We pray that you'll help the leaders, Lord. You give us all wisdom and uh, help us to just have wisdom to protect ourselves. Protect, really, Lord, we just want to protect your gospel. We want to make sure your gospel gets out unhindered. And so, God, help us to uh, just live fully on you, Lord, and to fear you above all else. God, we pray for the victims, Lord, and their families, Lord, all those who are affected by this negatively. We pray that you comfort them, Lord, and help strengthen their faith even through a difficulty like this. And God, we pray for just, uh, God, there's so many people that there's so many things that could be happening and might happen, Lord. So we pray for everybody that uh, is going to be faced with any of these things, Lord, in the future. We pray for the churches that are affected and the pastors that are affected. And God, we pray that this opens us up for a time of true repentance and true confession, Lord. Uh, man, what a powerful sight that would be. So we pray for revival in the Southern Baptist Convention, Lord. And we pray as we go through this revival that it opens up the doors and it opens up hearts for people to receive your gospel message. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We will see you all on the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, shoot us an email and we will try to answer them to the best of our ability. All right. Peace out. Yeah. Thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. Uh, I know there's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And uh, if you would, uh, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, podcast, please you know, leave a five-star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries. Thank you.